Hillary Rodham Clinton is not only a two-time presidential loser, but she's also one of the most vile humans to ever walk planet Earth. And while the examples are endless, I'm about to give you reason 7,602. And then Florida Congressman Byron Donald joins me with the tea on the swamp that is D.C. And later, the shocking story of a Christian community leader who had 30 FBI agents sent to his house over the weekend to arrest him in front of his wife and seven children. Wait until you hear this BS. And finally, our friend Gavin Newsom is being a Texas-sized hypocrite again. And you know I have some final thoughts. The show starts now. Yeah, Hillary Clinton is not only a loser, she's the textbook definition of a narcissist. And just when we think we've gotten rid of her, just when we think she'll disappear into the abyss or park her broom at home to enjoy a quiet life, being a wife to poor Bill or a mother slash grandmother to her spawn, she resurfaces like a viral disease to remind us why she has not and will not ever be our president. I remember as a, as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour. And you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? And I thought Hocus Pocus 2 didn't come out until Friday. But first, Hillary told us we were deplorables, and now we're Nazis. Boy, it's almost like these Democrats, Hillary and Joe especially, want Trump supporters and Republicans to be attacked. Last week, I told you about Kaylor Ellingson, the 18-year-old North Dakota kid, hit and killed by a man who did it intentionally because he claimed Ellingson was a Republican extremist. You know, I wonder where they get it from. Maybe Hillary likening us to Nazis, Congressman Tim Kennedy saying the mega movement has to be confronted and killed, or this MSNBC contributor, Jason Johnson, labeling us not only a cult, but a dime store front for a terrorist organization. Watch. I always say, like, we cannot separate extremists from the Republican Party. They have morphed into one. This is a cult. It's not a political party. It's a dime store front for a terrorist organization. I've been saying that for years. And so the electoral impact is more on the people who need to be motivated, not by the people who are dedicated to yeah, a cult. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's how they see us. Cult members, Nazis, white supremacists, deplorables, megas who need to be confronted and have our movement killed. If you voted for Trump and enjoyed four years of economic boom, growth, energy independence, a secure border, law and order, and Americans coming first in our own damn country, well, you're just a mega that needs to be taken out. Well, I've got news for all of them, especially Hillary. We aren't going anywhere. We don't care what you call us. Most of these Democrats don't even like themselves, so what does it matter what they think of us? We're good people, and we know it. It's not our burden to continually defend ourselves against people who are dedicated to misrepresenting us. Why would we take criticism from people we would never go to for advice? It'll be a cold day in hell, where I assume Hillary was assembled, before I'll give a damn what any of these people think. We are going to save America again, for us and for them. And when we do it, we won't get an apology or a thank you, but we don't need either. Onward and upward. But up next, Florida Congressman Byron Donalds joins me with his take on midterms, inflation, and the dumpster fire at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Stick around. 
Like I said, I believe we're, we're experiencing a shortage of good jobs, not a shortage of labor. And I think it's really critical not to blame working people. I'm not blaming business. working people. What I would say is I'm blaming government policy, because if you're given money without having to exchange it with labor, having to take your talents and abilities and you're getting money as a result, it depends on the, in the industriousness of the individual at that point. I'm not blaming anybody. If you're giving out free money, shoot. OK, cool. Most people are just going to go ahead and take it. We know this. Hmm, yes, we do. Oh, the swamp, my friends, is full, and I don't have a lot of confidence in most of our politicians, but my next guest is certainly an exception. Joining me now is Florida Congressman Byron Donald, and I'm a big fan of you, Congressman, and I'm a big fan of what you just said there. What I don't understand is why liberals, why Democrats, why certain institutions can't wrap their mind around the fact that they created the worker shortage and the inflation crisis with their unlimited spending and unemployment. For some reason, whether they want to admit it or not, they don't seem to understand how the economy works. What's your take on what's going on and, and will it ever get better? Do you see a light at the end of the tunnel for us average Americans? I see a light at the end of the tunnel for average Americans. I just don't see it if the average American votes Democrat. It's just not going to happen. Look, they are pot committed to this ideology. They believe that this is the one way they get to accomplish their entire agenda, which is actually the slow destruction of the American economy. And some people might say that I'm being hyperbolic, but when you look at the policies and you stack them one on top of the other on top of the other, the only thing it leads to is an economy that doesn't grow, an economy that requires politicians to, to basically advocate on your behalf, it's an economy that is based purely on stimulus and subsidies and not on innovation and ingenuity. It is the pathway that I think people on their side of the aisle truly believe would make the world better. But what actually happens when you go down this road economically, it's the poor who suffer the most. It's kids who are growing up without silver spoons who don't have a pathway to success. And that's why conservatives have stood against this ideology and it's this economic ideology for so long, because we understand that what makes America the beacon of the world is not government policy, not government largesse. It is the freedom for people to keep their money, hold on to their wealth, be inventive, and really be innovative, and just grind and work hard. And that's what's built the beauty we see around us. We have to get back to that. We can never lose sight of it. But for two plus years, the government told everyone it was their patriotic and health duty to stay at home and watch Netflix and order Uber Eats. So it's really no surprise that we are in this place. I tell folks that love the government that you can be free or you can be dependent on government, but you can't be both. And therein lies a lot of the problem. I have a theory, though, and I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think the writing is on the wall. I think what's going to happen here is right now it's the workers who have the upper hand because they know that businesses need them. We have a worker shortage. But pretty soon that's going to change and there's going to be Americans who are out there looking for jobs and those jobs might not exist anymore. But also in the interim, I feel like the Democrats are going to point to the two million plus illegals they've let across our southern border and say, hey, we have a worker shortage. Let's go ahead and give amnesty to illegals so they can fill those positions and they'll make it palatable by doing that. You think I'm close on my theory even a little bit? No, I don't really think you're far off because we're already starting to see the elements of that in our economy. Look at a figure that everybody loves to cite, the unemployment rate. Well, it's hovering a little under 4% right now. So you would say to yourself, oh, man, America's humming along. But we're not. We're in a recession now. High inflation is here. And interest rates are about to go up. 
business owners will tell you, and whether you're small or, or, or large or corporate size, they will all tell you the jobs they're having trouble filling are the ones that require more physical labor. They're saying that across the board. The ones that don't be, don't pay as much, that's what they're struggling filling. And so as a result, productivity in the economy is now down for the third consecutive quarter. If your productivity is down, your companies can't grow. If your companies don't grow, your economy doesn't grow. If your economy is not growing, you're in a recession, you're stagnating with more inflation. So what do you do? It's easy to move other people in, who are willing to, to, to take those pay rates because for them, it's a substantial increase in wages you know, with respect to the countries that they came from. So I don't really think you're far off. We have some serious economic issues here in the United States. And really the only reason why it hasn't been a complete and utter catastrophe is not because of politicians, people in Washington or, or, or people in, in state capitals. It is because of how dynamic the American economy is, how dynamic our capital markets are. And frankly, the, the golden goose has been so big, so strong for so long, it continues to limp along in spite of the obstacles from politicians in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think it's obvious anybody who's paying attention, you know, you got to look a little bit under the hood of those numbers that they like to tout. But, you know, our president did tell us inflation was at zero a couple weeks ago, and his press secretary kind of doubled down on that. So it's really no wonder that low-information viewers and voters feel that way. I have to wonder, though, what's going to happen in the midterms. You mentioned at the top, people are going to keep voting Democrat. They're not going to get a change. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We want a different result. we got to vote differently. But I'll tell you this, what concerns me is... We were all excited about a big red wave coming. Now they're thinking it's going to be more like a pink wave or a pink trickle because the latest polls from 538 are saying Democrats 71 percent chance of keeping the Senate with their chances of holding the House at 31 percent. Do you think those numbers are inflated or where do you think that Republicans stand as of now going into November? Well, actually, I think we're going to see a couple of very interesting things. Number one, uh, has the Dobbs decision motivated Democrats in the Democrat base? Yeah, it has. We, we've seen those numbers across the board. But and we've seen it in, more, in some of the more recent election cycles. But I think what you're going to see is the American electorate, the vast majority of the American people are actually going to come into this election. And I think they're going to be voting in higher numbers than a typical midterm election. So my predictions really haven't changed. I still think in the House we take about 25 to 30 seats. I haven't gone off that 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 uh that expectation simply because when you get away from polls, you get away from politics, you talk to people in their individual lives. They know first, second, and third that the, the country's not in a good spot. We've gone downhill. You've had the Democrats who don't care about safety in our streets. They fired a lot of people because they wanted them to take a COVID-19 vaccine. They're still not happy about that. They still remember the Democrats wanted to spy in their bank accounts. Um, they still remember that one. And then we have the newest revelations, which is something we already knew, but now the media is really admitting it, is that you have the White House and Democrats who have been suppressing dissent of the American people with political pressure on the social media companies and on big media. All those things are still there. I still think you're going to have a lot of Americans who are going to come in and vote. So I'm bullish on the House. We're going to take back the House. I'm not really concerned about that. But I'm also bullish on the Senate. Uh, polling in Arizona looks good. Polling in Nevada looks good. Uh, I'm currently in Georgia right now. Polling in Georgia looks good as well. I'm still holding out hope for Pennsylvania. I think we're going to be just fine come election evening on November 8th. Oh, boy, I hope you're right. But I have to ask you what your thoughts are 
when you see California Governor Gavin Newsom talking to Floridians, buying ads in Florida, telling Floridians to please, please come to California, come to California and get an abortion, in fact, that's what he's essentially saying. What do you think when you hear him go after your governor, Ron DeSantis, who's been incredibly successful? It makes me laugh, but I can't imagine how Floridians feel when they see the circus that is Newsom. Well, look, Ron DeSantis is America's governor and Gavin Newsom is America's dumpster fire. I mean, he has run the worst state in the country by far. There's never been a governor in the history of the United States who has had more people leave their state than Gavin Newsom. So I think him running ads is his way to try to raise his name ID nationally so he can hope to get into the battle for the White House um, in 2024. Let's see if we cho he chooses to throw his hat in the ring. Tommy, the one thing I'll tell you, I want Gavin Newsom to run for president. Like I'm begging Gavin Newsom to run for president because he is awful at his job. The only thing he's got going for him is he has the Pat Riley look circa 1987. But other than that, the man's terrible at his job and everybody knows it, including the people of California. And including his in-laws who not only donated to Ron DeSantis, but also fled to Florida. So I think there the campaign ads just write themselves. So I have to ask you another question and I have a feeling you're not gonna answer me, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Come 2024, are you a Trump guy? Or are you a Ron DeSantis guy? Or maybe somebody else? Maybe there's somebody else that you're eyeing. Uh, do you feel comfortable giving me just a little hint at what you're thinking, Congressman? Because your opinion matters to me. Oh, listen, no, I'm not gonna pull punches. I gotta tell you, 2024, I think President Trump runs and I, he's gonna have my support. Um, I think that he has done the thing that, I know we have a lot of people, including Governor DeSantis, who wanna do this job. But what we need is somebody who's been through that apparatus, they understand exactly what's going on in the federal agencies, and they're prepared to clean house. We could talk about tax policy, foreign policy, policy at the border, which Donald Trump had right, and so many other things. But what's necessary in Washington is that the federal agencies need an overhaul. They need a house clean, house cleaning. And the person I know that will be committed to that work is Donald Trump. So he has my support. If he if, if he decides to throw his hat in the ring, you know, I'm going to stand with him. And, you know, our governor, Ron DeSantis, he's phenomenal. No doubt about it. I know he would make a great president. But if I have to pick, I choose Donald Trump. All right. Well, hey, listen, I say Ron or Don, just not Joe or Gavin or Kamala or Hillary or any of them, because quite frankly, they have nobody that interests me. My last question, I'm going to let you go. I promise this is my last one, and this is a fun one, all right? Sure. Not nearly as controversial. I have to get your sure. thoughts, Congressman, on the Super Bowl and Rihanna being the halftime performer, because I've seen it all over my timelines, everything. People are super excited. We haven't heard from Rihanna in a while. I'm sure you probably haven't had this question yet, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. What do you think? You know what? I'm a big fan of Riri and I mean, all politics aside and everything like that. When it comes to music, love music, love Rihanna. Um, looking forward to seeing it. Um, look, I, I think sometimes it's good to get away from politics. So I just love to see good entertainment and a good show. You know, my only hope is we, we get a chance to sit down and talk politics. You know, I'll help her see things the conservative way. But other than that, I'm just looking for good music and a good time. There you go. Well, hey, I would love to see a sit down with you and Riri, and I think you could change her mind. And I'm honestly, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, but I'm really happy it's Rihanna and not Taylor Swift because we didn't need to see that woke virtue signal up on stage anyway. But Congressman, thank you so much for your time, for all of your insight and for always fighting the good fight. We love watching you and please keep it up. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much.
All right, up next, a Catholic activist and his family got a visit from the FBI over the weekend, and the story and justification is about a big load of bull, as you'd imagine. The Twisted Story is next. So y'all know I love law enforcement. I respect the agents of the FBI, but I, like many of you, have lost a lot of trust in the institution that is the FBI. From the unprecedented raid on Mar-a-Lago to what appears to be politically motivated targeting of certain groups over others, I am disappointed in how this institution appears to have fallen. And this next story is yet another example of why. This is Mark Houck. He is the founder of an organization called The King's Men, which promotes Christian virtues among men and is a well-known pro-life activist in the Philly area. Every Wednesday, he sidewalk councils at Planned Parenthood in his city for hours. About a year ago, Mr. Houck was counseling outside of an abortion clinic when a pro-abortion protester threatened his son and yelled obscenities at him. Now, Houck pushed the man away from his son. He was never charged, and the man tried unsuccessfully to sue him. Is he passionate, pro-life, and unapologetic? Sure. Did he deserve to have 25 to 30 armed FBI agents raid his home at 7 a.m. as his kids and wife watched him be taken away in cuffs? Well, I'll let you be the judge. Here to fill in the blanks of what appears, at least to me, to be a giant miscarriage of justice is senior digital strategist and man who's been sounding the alarm on this story from the get-go in his hometown, Greg Price. Greg, thank you for being here. I've been following you on Twitter, as I always do, and this story certainly caught my eye. It hasn't been getting, I think, the national press that it deserves, but I gave a little background there. Help me fill in the blanks. What exactly happened that provoked the FBI to show up at this this family man's home in the early hours of the morning and raid it, armed, while his wife and children looked on. Well, yeah, it's insane, Tommy. And, you know, as a Catholic who grew up in the Philadelphia area in Bucks County, I, I know Mark Hawker really well. And I know uh, I know of his organization, the King's Men, very well, just from going to church in, in my hometown. So when I saw that uh, he had been raided by the FBI. I was like, wait, what? This this good Catholic husband and father of seven? What, what did he do wrong? And then I looked up the details of it and saw that the DOJ is charging him under some federal law that I had never even freaking heard of until the other day called the Freedom of Access to Clinics Act, which makes it a federal crime to basically physically assault anyone trying to provide reproductive health care. Now, Apparently what happened was a Planned Parenthood escort threatened his son on two separate occasions and yelled obscenities at him. And he simply just shoved them away from him. And like, and like you said in the beginning, he was never charged with this on, on the state level, not with assault or anything. And the guy tried to sue him and it was thrown out of, of court in Philadelphia. But now the DOJ, over a year after the fact, is now charging him with, under this law that no one has ever heard of. And keep in mind, this is the same DOJ that has refused to do anything about the myriad of threats, vandalism, and firebomb bombings that have occurred at pro-life pregnancy centers around America since the Dobbs decision leaked. They're, they're not going after people committing actual acts of terrorism against that. Instead, they're going after Catholic fathers of seven who defended his son against what was apparently an aggressive Planned Parenthood escort. And that guy's now facing 11 years in jail. It's amazing. And whether, you know, you're pro-life or pro-choice or, or whether you think he should have shoved the man away or you thought the man was okay to yell obscenities at him and his son, it really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is here to have 25 to 30 armed FBI agents raid a home of a family man as if he's some danger to society. Meanwhile, not only do we have 
pro-choice abortion activists attacking pregnancy centers and the like, threatening our Supreme Court justices. But let's not forget just the everyday lawlessness that we have on our streets, but the, the liberals and the Democrats scream criminal justice reform, let them all out, let them all out. And then you've got a, a father of seven who is a Catholic Christian man, and they show up at his home. I mean, the priorities here, when we talk about what happened in Mar-a-Lago and we all warned and sounded the alarm and said, hey, listen, whether it was justified or not, the fact that it happened unprecedented, it should concern everybody, the power that the FBI wields and how they choose to use it. And now I think we're seeing that in action. What can you tell us about what's happened since and what the family is saying to you or to others? Well, the, the wife told uh, a news outlet called LifeSite News, which is a, a pro-life news outlet, that be, that t- 25 to 30 armed FBI agents showed up at their house and pointed rifles at them as their kids started screaming. And you know, and apparently uh, the news broke this morning that uh, the, the DOJ brought the case before a grand jury. So they're going all in to, to indict this man. And, and, you know, literally they're going to try and put him in jail over, over shoving a Planned Parenthood escort away from his son. And, and like you just said, we, we said after the, you know, the Mar-a-Lago raid was unprecedented. The fact that the DOJ and the FBI was going after a former president and a lot, you know, we were saying after that, if they can do it to Trump, they can do it to anybody. Well, guess what? They're doing, they're doing it to anybody now. They're doing it to normal people. You know, unlike Donald Trump, Mark Hawk is not a threat to anybody. He's just a man who runs an organization that promotes Catholic values and helps men who are addicted to pornography. That's all this man does. And now the DOJ is throwing the book at him over this obscure federal law when he was never even charged for it on a state level. It's getting really scary. And I'll tell you what, Tommy, when the GOP takes back power, which we will take back power in November, if they don't make a concerted effort to go after the institutional rot at the DOJ, then, you know, they don't deserve our votes and they don't deserve our money anymore because now they're going after they're going after normal people and they're going to keep going after people who have political views that that go against the regime. I think a lot of Americans are concerned about that, and it shouldn't matter which way you vote or what letters behind your name. Every American should be concerned what these institutions are doing and how they are cherry-picking and selecting certain cases that they want to go after. I think we all remember, of course, when the DOJ wanted to go after parents at school board meetings and liken them to domestic terrorists. I mean, all of this is the snowball effect. It's what we always warn about, and we're called conspiracy theorists. Now it's happening. But you mentioned what happened to Donald Trump. Obviously, a lot of fanfare around that. Donald Trump is... uh, a man who can defend himself and he has the means to defend himself. But what worries me is when you've got individuals like Mark Houck and others that are being targeted by the FBI, having the book thrown at them, they don't have the publicity. They don't have the resources to fight this kind of thing. And then after the news kind of fades, we're talking about it now. This family is still going to have to deal with this. Quite frankly, it could destroy their family and all because a man is standing up for his Catholic values. Whether they, whether you agree with them or not, the man has a right to do it. The book is being thrown at him. And another thing that concerns me as well, beyond just the DOJ and the FBI, let's keep in mind, they want to bring on 87,000 new IRS agents. Boy, I wonder who they're going to target. What do you think that we're going to see in the coming months? You know, even if we do take back everything in the midterms, I'm still concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think all Americans should be concerned about, you know, just the absolute uh, political bias that has now infiltrated the FBI and the DOJ. Like, seriously, imagine being an FBI agent when a Quantico and trained there just to point your gun at a, a Catholic father of seven. 
it's really bad and it's it's irredeemably corrupt and it's not going to change unless unless republican leaders actually make a concerted effort to to affect change at the fbi and doj and uh you know there's been a lot of talk lately about defunding the fbi i think breaking it apart into you know offices across america is at least a start if cuz it, it it's it's really bad there's nothing that could destroy western civilization more than politicized law enforcement right. when there's two tiers of justice in America. That is one of the most dangerous things that could bring down a society. And, you know, I think the, the rot at the FBI is real and it's going to keep getting worse. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get really bad. And it, it could come after anybody. It could come after me. It could come after you. It could come after anybody in America who who the regime decides has views that that need to be targeted for. And we've already seen it. We've already seen, you know, the, the targeted effort against conservatives. This is nothing new. This went back to the Obama days with the IRS. You know, again, not a whole lot of fanfare about that. Nobody's really talking about that anymore. Concerning then, even more concerning now, we're not talking about the fact that we don't like law enforcement, that we don't like the agents at the FBI. I think it's very important that we make that distinction. There is a big difference between the boots on the ground, the agents, the officers of our law enforcement agencies, and the people who are calling the shots at administrative and executive levels. A big difference. And there is nothing wrong with us saying, hey, listen, there seems to be a problem here. Just like we drain the swamp of politicians, we need to drain our other institutions as well so that they're operating in the best interest of the American people, all American people. Before I let you go, because I follow you on Twitter and you're, you're very active and you give us a lot of great news and updates, I want to get your thoughts on some of the, the rhetoric. You know, liberals love to talk about rhetoric. They love to talk about January 6th. They love to talk about all those things. You know, apparently we're all insurrectionists. We're all mega extremists. But what do you make of not only Joe Biden calling us mega Republicans, but now we've got Hillary Clinton likening Trump supporters at rallies to Hitler fans and Nazis. Where does this go from here? Last week, we already had an 18-year-old hit and killed by a man who intentionally did it because he felt the, the boy was a Republican extremist. And where is the left on this and why are they so quiet when it happens to conservatives? Because the hallmark of, of you know, Democrat ideology and Democrat governance is believing your opponents are the enemy and criminalizing dissent and putting your opponents in jail. That's what they, these people want to do. They want to, they want to brand all of their opponents as right-wing fascists, threats to democracy, as dangers to the country. That's what they've done for years. And that this, it's, it's literally nothing new, but it's like, but like you said, these people who talk about how, how the dangers of, of violent rhetoric all the time are, are the biggest proponents of it. The biggest the people who do it all the time. Like, and, and a perfect example is take for the fact that uh, the DOJ said that they don't have enough evidence to indict Congressman Matt Gates on sex trafficking charges. This is a guy who was accused by the FBI and who launched a politically motivated investigation of him for this heinous crime that apparently that he never did. And there was no evidence of it. But the, but the left was sad about this. They were they were complaining about how the DOJ wouldn't indict him, even though there's no evidence he committed a crime. That's what these people are. They don't care whether or not Matt Gates committed the crime. All they care about is that he supported Donald Trump. And, you know, that's that's just what they want. They want to criminalize all dissent against them until they until they have unlimited power over America. Yeah, it's the intimidation technique. And it could go one of two ways. It could cause the silent majority to get quieter 
or it could cause the silent majority to understand the need to get louder, and I'm hoping it's the latter of the two. Thank you for following the story, for breaking the story. You're the first person that I saw talking about it, and our best goes to Mark Houck and his family and uh, what they're going to have to battle in the coming weeks, coming months, even coming years, and you're welcome back on my show anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Tommy. It was great to be on with you. Of course. And coming up, our gel-haired friend, California Governor Gavin Newsom, spent some time in Texas over the weekend, which is fine, except he banned state travel to the Lone Star State. And you know I have some final thoughts. That's next. California Governor Gavin Newsom went to Texas for a speech over the weekend, and while I don't blame him for getting out of the once golden state he's ruined, it's rather problematic given the fact he's banned state travel to Texas. It's time for final thoughts. Despite his home state of California being a lawless and filthy mess, complete with energy rations and rolling blackouts, its governor, greasy Gavin Newsom, decided to skip town and head to Austin, Texas over the weekend. He was a speaker at the Texas Tribune Festival. And yes, that is the same festival Crooked Hillary spoke at, where she likened Trump supporters to Nazis. But Gavin's speech was billed as a talk on what the nation's most populous state can teach the other 49, including Texas. You know, I know Austin is liberal, dirty, and weird, but I'm not sure what the governor of a state that's hemorrhaging residents to Texas and 24 other red states can teach anyone about leadership. Especially given the fact that California banned state travel to Texas over the state's abortion policies, but yet Gavin went to Texas himself. And this isn't the first time Newsom has visited one of the 22 states he personally blacklisted. If you'll recall, over the summer, he journeyed to Montana to visit his in-laws. But he claims he personally funded that vacation so it doesn't count. Now listen, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on Gavin for flouting his own hot air, big mouth policies. He was likely going to Texas like so many of his former constituents because he too wants to get out of his crap hole state. Heck, his in-laws did and they donated to Ron DeSantis. Or maybe Gavin was just looking for the Texas version of the French Laundry. You know, everything is bigger in Texas, and we know Gavin's hypocrisy knows no bounds. The only thing greasier than his hair gel is his soul. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show on Outkick.com as well as exclusive content from Nashville. God bless and take care.